Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Mention the word Babel to people today and it may mean different things to different people. It can be the name of an island in Tasmania, the name of a journal of linguistics, the name of a minor planet, or even a music label. The Bible book of Genesis gives us the original meaning of Babel, a tower that symbolized rebellion against God after the universal flood and the origin of languages in our world. Let's dig deeper into the story. Please open your Bible with us as we explore. Well, on our panel today, we have Rosemary Malkovich and John Cosmeyer. Glad to have you with us today. Good to be here. I'm looking forward to our discussion. But uh, before we do that, let's take time to pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that you are our guide in this life and also for the life to come. And as we consider this important topic today, we pray that you have our minds open to understand truth and also to be receptive to the moving of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, read Genesis chapter 10 and verse 1. Genesis 10 verse 1, it says, Now this is the genealogy, or the, the history of the family, of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And sons were born to them after the flood. Well, we remember the story of, of Noah, and the universal flood, uh, how he built the ark, you know, after 120 years of preaching and so on. Um, we recall how uh, he and his family were saved from the, from the flood. And what happens to the, to the story after that, Rosemary? Well, the story then shifts, as you have read there, to sons that were born after the flood. In fact, Shem's son, Afaxad, was born two years after the flood, which I find very interesting. Um, so he didn't go through it, but he was born, the first person born into the new world. But if we look at um, Genesis 10, chapter 6, we are introduced to the children of Ham. And this, it says there, the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put and Canaan. So this is the first reference to Canaan, um, where we can put together the land of Canaan. I just want to mention one thing, Mizram he was the one who founded the land of Egypt. That area of the world is where he moved to. And so you have Mizraim Bank and all sorts of things in Egypt named after him. But Canaan um, was a son of Ham. And if we look at chapter 12 and verse 5, it says here with Abram, Then Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. So the land of Canaan was the area where the son of Ham, Canaan, settled after he was born and, and moved there with his family. And this is the land that God promised to Abraham and to his descendants. Our current Israel and mm. there. 
Yeah, now, John, what do you think was God's purpose in, uh, um, you know, s distributing the, the, the sons of, of Noah? And there were three purposes. <coughs> Pardon me. There was trying to establish truth. Secondly, righteousness. And the third one was the introduction of the lineage of Jesus. And so it was a second chance for the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that sort of came down through Shem, didn't it? Through his mm. line. Mm. Yeah. Um, but um, because of sin, unfortunately, Rosemary, God's mm. plan for uh, repopulating the earth with righteousness and truth, as you say, John, mm. uh, it, didn't, it went astray, didn't it? It did. Um, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, they were told to fill the earth, to multiply and fill the earth, because that was God's plan for them. But then we find if we um, look at chapter 11, which we won't go into detail, that the people started to congregate together in cities instead of dispersing and being husbandmen. And when they congregate together in cities, a lot of evil comes from that. And in this case, they started to build the tower known as the Tower of Babel uh, because they wanted to be able to defeat God's purposes if he yeah. ever did anything again. There are a few stories of you know, characters in Genesis messing up and you know, <laughs> Noah was one of them, for example. Yes. Um, but when we mess up with our lives, is that, is that the end of it as far as God's concerned, Rosemary? No, it's not. Um, God has a way of turning bad things into blessings. And I want to look at um, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's a very, very famous verse. And it is very comforting. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, no matter what's going on in our lives, God can bring good out of it. And we see that in the story of Joseph. If we go back to Genesis and chapter 50, we have um, something there that is... Um, very comforting and it is said by um, Joseph to his brothers they thought that now that their father was dead he will do evil to them for what they had done to him but he said but as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. If God hadn't have taken Joseph down to Egypt through his brothers doing an evil act of selling him, um, the family would not have been saved during the time of drought. And so God brings about good things out of bad things, even if we don't see it straight away and maybe down the track. Um, there is a, the fact that God uses this experiences or the experiences we go through to help us then to have empathy and compassion on other people who go through similar experiences because we know how to help them. Second um, Corinthians 1, 4 in the Living Translation, New Living Translation says it this way. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And sometimes mm. that's the good that comes out of a bad situation. Yes. Yeah, I'd like just to just uh, go get a bit of background here in chapter 9 of Genesis. 
Uh, Genesis 9 verses 18 to 20 says, Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. So the next event we read about um, uh, John is uh, Noah not only just planting a vineyard, but getting drunk from the produce uh, of the vineyard. What significance does this story have? Well, wine's wine, but if you ferment it and then drink it, you will eat and get drunk and all kinds of interesting things happen. And we have an incident here of what happened. And God said to Adam, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of life. When he did, he and Eve suddenly realized that they were naked. Okay. And, and here we have the story all over again. Yeah, the knowledge of good and evil tree. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And, uh, and so here you have Noah and there he is fast asleep, drunk. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that was, the, that was a problem. Uh, there's a further problem in the story, of course, in uh, Genesis 9 verse 22. It says that Ham saw his father's nakedness. And so what did he, what did he go and do? Um, it wasn't seeing his father's nakedness that was the problem, John. What was it? <laughs> he went and told his brothers. And didn't who knows do, who else? Didn't do anything about, you know. And he didn't up. do anything to yeah. help his father. Mm. When God says, honour your father and your mother, mm. instead of when they do something stupid and they bring dishonour to themselves, the least we can do is help to cover up. Or help them out of it. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of like, um, you know, blabbing, wasn't he? In a way. Laughing. I would say he was laughing and jesting about it. Yeah. yeah. Anything else, John? No. When you read verse 23, but Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders. I wonder if anybody's ever bothered to try it and see if that really works. Okay. But here the two of them, the two brothers, they got a coat, put it between them, and then they walked in backwards. So they couldn't see their So brother. they couldn't see their father's mm. nakedness and then they covered him up. And and really, you know, if we can't solve a sin then we cover it up. And try and restore some honour and respect mm. to the to the father that you have. And so I said earlier, you know, here we have truth and righteousness. God is trying to establish it. And once again, we read the stories of how difficult that really is. Mm. So, yeah, in Genesis 9, 28, uh, Rosemary, um, it says that Noah lived after the flood for 350 years. Mm. What does that fact say to you? Well, one of the things is that he lived such a long life after the flood. He saw both the world before and the world after. Here's the link between the pre-flood and the post-flood world. Um, and what a shame it must have been to see, for him to see the world in such an indescribable mess as after the flood. But it's interesting that his father was 56 years old when Adam died. And because they lived such a long age. And so all the way down to Noah, Noah's father. 
And you can imagine Lamech sitting at Moses' feet and hearing the stories from his great, 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 how many great grandfather Mm. and learning the pre-fall information, learning how God created the world and how Cain had killed Abel, etc. From Adam himself. And not only that, but they had such great brain capacity. They didn't have to write things down because they remembered. They used more of their brain. They they were straight from perfection, straight from the original creation. I think we've got a chart that that shows Mm. this overlap Yes. Uh, of the uh, of the lifespans mm. of the uh, the patriarchs, and you can see how the lives got the lives got so much shorter as we came after the flood, and they were actually having their children a lot earlier. Mm. Um, but, some but, of them weren't born until their fathers were 180 something, but when we come down to the last generations, they're only somewhere between 29 and 34. Yeah, but the important thing that is uh, in this chart, uh, Rosemary, is that. You've got the oral transmission. Oh, yes. Look at Shem. He lived right through. Abraham would have known Shem because mm. it overlaps with Abraham. Yeah. And so the, you know, the oral mm. transmission of the stories of the, the creation. And, Everything. Uh, you know, of Enoch being translated. And uh, you can imagine uh, Shem telling them stories about the flood yeah. and what the world was like before. Mm. And so they had this wonderful, rich oral history that was passed down from people who were actually there. I mean, think yeah. of Adam was there as part of God's first creation. They passed the information on. In chapter 10 of Genesis, John, uh, Moses includes a lot of uh, genealogical information. And uh, why does he do that? Not only there, but you go into the book of Luke and lo and behold, here you have a great record of the people. Luke chapter 3, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, verses 34 to 38. The son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, here is a great list of the genealogy of Jesus that goes right back to the book of Genesis. Mm. I mean, Adam, Seth, Enos, Cain, and Mahalil, and you can rattle them all off. And the Bible is emphasizing that we are dealing here with the lineage of Jesus that came through real people. And so it became a blessing to know all these people in line because at the end of it, Jesus was the one who was going to be the, um, the redeemer of the world and he's the one who came through real generations. That's right. And so the Bible was not given just for information but also for our transformation. The Bible is not just a collection of facts but facts that give us reason to have faith because our faith needs to be based on real living facts. It's it's based on reality. Yes. And so uh, what a blessing 
even out of um, uh, even out of what happened with Ham, Shem, and Japheth there. Um, when you read in Isaiah chapter 66, a verse that I had missed out earlier, but here we find in verse 18, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. And so the whole purpose of this was to reveal the glory of God. Mm. Yeah. His plan of salvation. Uh, let's uh, move on to chapter 11 uh, now. And uh, I'd like to read verse, verse 1 of, of chapter 11. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Uh, Rosemary, it says the whole earth. Uh, how many people would this have been, do you think? <laughs> um, well, it was growing pretty fast, but it meant everybody who was alive um, at that time that they were the whole earth because there weren't there were only eight that came through the ark and and those that came from them it wasn't as though it was like the billions that we have today but as it says there too they all had one language mm. they all understood each other they're all family yeah and there are quite a quite a few people that are mentioned in chapter 10 if you've got your mm. bibles at home there uh, to have a look through that that long yes. list of names it yeah. was growing one language um, what is the building of uh, a tower, this Tower of Babel story in chapter 11, John? What does it uh, say about a, a general attitude of the people at the time? In Genesis chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Who lives in the heavens? God. God. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And here we have the world going into rebellion again. Mm. And so once again, God had to step in and to do um, what the people refused to do. When we go to Isaiah, Chapter 63, and reading verse 12 to 14. Who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name? And who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness? And, and so here, we find that it, it's God whose prerogative is to make a name for himself. Yeah. And here the people were trying to... Mm. And so once again, we have a situation where God has to step in. Yeah, I think that's an important point. You know, it's God's prerogative to make a name for himself uh, in contrast to the people, the builders of the Tower of Babel who, who wanted to make a name for themselves. Uh, if we go back to Isaiah... Um, Chapter 11, um, John, it tells us something interesting there, doesn't it? Uh, in Genesis, um, sorry, Isaiah 14 and, and verse 14. What does it tell us there? Well. Oh, Rosemary, sorry. <laughs> yep. It says there that this is talking about um, Lucifer. And he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will be like the Most High. And one of the things that they were trying to do at this time was to build the building above the flood level so that God could no longer do anything to them. They would save themselves by building this massive tower. But the thing is, they were building it on a plane. So how they expected to be above the flood level when the water reached above everything on earth, I really don't understand. But that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to rebel against God, just as Lucifer did, trying to be God. And there's a quote from Ellen White, um, which I'll read. It says, The dwellers on the plain of Shinar disbelieved God's covenant that he would not again bring a flood upon the earth. Many of them denied the existence of God and attributed the flood to the operation of natural causes. It's the same thing today. People deny that God exists or they don't have faith in what he has to say in, in his promises. But mm. he has proved all through the Bible that he is faithful. Yeah. Did this same sort of attitude, Rosemary, carry on to the successor to Babel, uh, namely Babylon? Oh, yes. It, indeed it did. When we find out about Nebuchadnezzar and the dream that he had of the statue, um, he was the head of gold, but only the head of gold. Other nations were going to come after him and he tried to defy that by building his own totally gold image to say that I am going to last forever. My kingdom will last forever. And God had said, no, it won't. Um, God is the one with the everlasting kingdom. And through his idea, he would stop God from setting up his everlasting kingdom, um, which would take over the whole earth. And so there's also a, a quote here that I'm going to read from Jacques Ducan in Secrets of Daniel. It says, this usurpation by the king of Babylon reminds the reader that by the ancient city of Babel, um, of the uh, ancient city of Babel, the common use of the word, how do you say that, Bikai? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> At the head of both passages in Genesis 11.1 and Daniel 3.1, already suggests the link between the two. Both events most likely occurred in the same place. It is definitely the same geographical area there around Babel, uh, Babel or Babylon, where the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was trying to do his statue to prove that he would last forever. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, I'm glad that Jacques Ducan is a Hebrew scholar because I'm not <laughs> a Hebrew scholar. <laughs> He's a Jew. Well, yes, uh, born in North Africa, I believe. But, uh, Fluent in 14 languages. Christian, yeah. We're Amazing. So, I've started his feet. Yes, I, I, I've you done have. some work with him mm. as well, and, uh, you know, he's very knowledgeable. Very um, I'd like to uh, look now at um, Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Uh, this says, uh, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Um, is this... Um, something that the tower builders uh, should have remembered, John? <laughs> <laughs> well, I found this quite funny, actually, because these people were building a tower 
to get away from the flood and they wanted to go up into heavens. And lo and behold, they did. Because actually God was there. They came into God's presence. <laughs> and, and God said, what are you doing here? I told you to go out, not up. Mm. And so God came down to solve the problem. Mm. And you find that, that God is the one that has to take the initiative like he did before the flood in trying to save people. And here he is doing the same thing again. Did God have to come down to see? <laughs> no, but he did. He, he, knows, uh, he, knows he saw everything. Let, let, let's get another verse that, that will help us a bit. When we read Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. And of course, that's very sad. But God's, his eye, he knows everything. And so what a, what a great God he is. Mm. And... Um, Genesis chapter 11, verse 7 repeats the idea of God's coming down to emphasize God's condescension and care for his people. Yeah, so that when it's all said and done, he was the one who created them. Yeah. So, Rosemary, what did God do about this one language business? <laughs> Mm. Okay, he had to do something um, to try and help these people see that they were not doing the right thing. God always begins salvation. If we read um, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it tells us that um, God brought his son into the world to teach us the truth and that this is love. Not that we loved God first, but that he first loved us. God always initiates love. He always initiates salvation. And in this case, God came down and tried to help them by confounding their languages mm. so that they didn't know what each other was saying. Can you picture what, what might have been happening? When oh, oh, I can. I, I think that there would have been anger, confusion. You know, someone says, I want a, I want a brick, and then someone else gives them a hammer. Um, what are you giving me that for? And the other person says, why don't you speak plainly? Yeah. Are you drunk or something? <laughs> um, and there would have been toing and froing, but also... Um, the people who were speaking the same and understood each other got together in, you know, with all the different languages and they spread out across the earth. Yeah. It was not too long after the Tower of Babel that the Chinese, the first Chinese dynasty was actually set up. Yeah. So, so God's purpose for the people to go out and populate the earth mm. you know, came about ultimately by his will. He had to do it somehow. Yeah. You know, we might, might laugh at the idea of mankind building a tower to reach heaven, but many are still building towers of their own rebellious theories in opposition to the will of God. Philosophies have multiplied throughout history in our world to take the place of God. I invite you to make the Bible your only reliable guide for this life and for eternal life to come. Well, thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, and that's 3ABN Australia. That's a three with a number, 3abnaustralia.org.au.
Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.